0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3.
1: Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit radically from where we had been uh, and not necessarily talk politics right now, although it's somewhat related to that. Well, as I screw everything up on my computer right now, as I'm in the middle of trying to talk, excellent, Erickson. You'd think I was professional at this or an amateur. Ah, we'll see. I want to talk to you about isolation. Um, and in all seriousness, uh, don't, don't tune out here because there's some new research data out there that's actually kind of fascinating. And this is from uh, Bryce Ward, who's an economist who's writing about the data in the Washington Post and kudos actually to the Washington Post for putting this data out there. A lot of people think that uh, during COVID and lockdowns, we were began spending less time with our families. Turns out, according to the data, Uh, Our social lives, according to this piece, were withering dramatically before COVID-19. Between 2014 and 2019, time spent with friends went down. Time spent alone went up by more than it did during the pandemic. According to the Census Bureau's American Times Use Survey, the amount of time the average American spent with friends was stable, at six and a half hours per week between 2010 and 2013. In 2014, time spent with friends began to decline. By 2019, the average American was spending only four hours per week with friends, a 37% decline from five years before. Social media, political polarization, and new technologies all played a role in the drop. 2014 is notable, by the way, because 2014 is when... The penetration of smartphones crossed 50% of the population. COVID deepened the trend. Time with friends fell even further in 2021. The average American spent only two hours, 45 minutes a week with close friends. Now, I want to talk to every single one of you here about this because I know it well. I have lived the life of isolation. Men in particular in this country self-isolate more than women, and they place burdens on themselves to go make money, earn a living, work a job, go home, spend time with the family, and they isolate themselves from their friends. And I want to be real clear here. What I'm talking about is is your isolation. You may be in the same house with or spending a lot of time with your spouse and your kids, but you have no social outlets with friends. That is an increasing problem in the country. Our willingness, all of us, myself included, to isolate ourselves, and then once isolated from our friends with just our family, we begin to isolate ourselves with our family. It's a problem. Um, It's also driving mental health problems. One of the things that's happening in the country is we're spending less time with others because we're spending more time on our cell phones. We're watching reels. We're watching TikTok videos. We're watching Instagram stories. We're on Twitter. And we're on Facebook and other social media outlets, Snapchat and the like. So we are creating our own communities of interest online. And more often than not, those communities of interest online are with digital people who we can't have tactile contact with, who think and act and believe everything we do. And so we get ourselves in an echo chamber we get ourselves in a bubble. This is really problematic increasingly because uh, when we're in a bubble of our own creation online, we're not confronted with people who disagree with us. And so we lose the skill set by which we can learn to navigate and find common ground with people who see the world in a different way, which increases polarization, it increases hostility, it increases anger. uh, And then that all reinforces the further isolation and that's where the mental health Issues begin to rear up. Men need to find social outlets with friends. Believe it or not, the people who are happiest in life have two things in common. They participate in regular religious services, and they find time to spend time with friends, hangout time. Uh, I got to tell you, I guess it's now been four years ago. I talk about Sunday nights on my front porch. And about four years ago, really, Philip, who um, lives very near me. Charlie's uh, more than an hour away. Philip is just up the street. And uh, he decided it would be good for me. And I kind of at the same time thought it would be good for me to just have an outlet to spend the night uh, hanging out on the front porch, watching football, drinking some bourbon, smoking cigars. Uh, And it was just the two of us. And then um, David, who's my finance director for my uh, syndication company, comes over. And and Andy, Phil's brother, will come over last night. A a pastor came over, and we just sat on the front porch and smoked cigars and watched football and had some bourbon. And I made uh, Natchitoches meat pies, which are like a Louisiana empanada. And we had some cake. And it was good. It was good hangout time. And I am stunned when I have these conversations with people, the number of people who just kind of crave that, but don't make time for it themselves. And you have to be deliberate about this. And I would tell you, just as a, as a firm piece of advice, particularly those of you who are married with kids, each of you, husband and wife, should find a night to get together with just a handful of friends without the other. One of you take care of the kids and one of you go out and then pick a different night or a different week and reverse it. If you can't do it every week, do it every other week. But having time with friends that are physical, real-world contact with friends is actually good for your mental health. And because it's good for your mental health, it improves your mental health, it improves your marriage, it improves your time with your kids, it improves your kids' well-being because you're not stressed out all the time. It helps. Now, there's another Piece of the Washington Post, this by my friend George Will. In 1930, the beginning of the Great Depression and of a decade that would end with the beginning of the worst of wars, a great economist wrote an essay, Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren, of ambivalent cheerfulness. John Maynard Keynes said the economic problem, the struggle for subsistence, was approaching solution. Another century of growth, by around now, would mean that for the first time since his creation, man will be faced with his real, his permanent problem, how to use his freedom from pressing economic cares to live wisely and agreeably and well. So material plenty deprives humanity of what had been its unavoidable preoccupation. This would be a problem, Keynes wrote, that could plunge society into something akin to a nervous breakdown. Brink Lindsay says that Americans who think Keynes was mistaken should look around. Lindsay, the director of the Open Society Project at the Niskanen Center, a center-right Washington think tank, notes that Keynes thought the average work week would shrink to 15 hours. And Lindsay wonders why anyone would welcome a world devoid of striving, ambition, and future-oriented progressiveness, purposefulness, purposiveness of any sort. Now, let me get into the meat of this. Keynes was wrong about the future abundance of leisure but was right about two things, the fecundity of capitalism and the challenge of defining purposes beyond the goal of acquiring material necessities. At the end of the 1950s, the number of Americans enrolled in colleges surpassed the number of farmers. Uh, Adults tethered to the vagaries of markets and the weather were outnumbered by privileged young people. More than six decades on, Brink Lindsay is worried about this. Reported unhappiness is on the rise. Mental health problems are surging. Morbid obesity is becoming normal. IQ scores have begun falling. Marriage and childbearing and personal friendships and community involvement are all becoming less common. We now have all the world's knowledge at our fingertips, but the social authority of that knowledge has fallen into embattled retreat while conspiracy theories and mass delusions fill the vacuum. Where once workplace solidarity and tight-knit social relationships were compensations for lower economic standing, now the new class divide leaves those outside the elite increasingly atomized and adrift. In the industrial era, workers had it much tougher physically, but the status of the working class in social estimation was incomparably higher than today. It has allowed in the poisonous political drifts of the country in large part because we don't know each other anymore. All of these things are related together. We isolate ourselves with people who agree just like us. We lose the common tongue and vernacular to be able to have conversations with people who disagree with us. We begin to see the people who disagree with us as enemies as opposed to just political opponents. We can impute the worst in the people we don't know and the best in the people we do know and ignoring their vices to amplify our grievances. So I'm telling you, we're headed into the holiday season. We've crossed Thanksgiving headed to Christmas and New Year. Will you please deliberate on how to find time to hang out in person with people you know? if you're someone of faith will you commit at least just once a month preferably every week but once a month go to church and i'll tell on myself we went to church yesterday my son and i my wife was gone my daughter was sick my son and i went and it's the first time in a couple months we've been to church we've been to sunday school we haven't been to worship service yesterday we didn't have sunday school we went to worship service we've been gone we've been traveling everybody's been sick uh, we're, we're living the life that so many of you are living. We have not had a week in our house where someone has not been sick. And yesterday my daughter had a terrible migraine had been up all night throwing up. And I was like, this is manageable. I can go to church. I don't have to take care of anybody. Nobody has to take care of me. I'm well enough. I'm going to go. And it was good to go. My buddy Elliot, one of our assistant pastors at our church preached great sermon and it was nice to be out of the house, but you know, I can tell even myself, I get in crowds these days and I won't, don't want to make eye contact with anyone because surely someone's going to want to ask me about Herschel Walker or the runoff or talk politics. And I just don't want to do that. And so I self isolate. And so I have to force myself to have people come over and sit on the porch and watch football and have conversations about life. You have to force yourself to do this. No one is going to show up on your doorstep and force you to make conversation and small talk. You have to force yourself to do it. And because you're not forcing yourself to do it, long-term Americans are seeing an increase in dementia, an increase in health problems, an increase in isolation, an increase in other mental health problems, and it is all tied to the fact that none of us want to be around other people. We are exhausted, we're all day at work, and then we're bothered by people on our phone all night, and we don't have time for real people. We were not intended to be alone. In the Garden of Eden, God created Eve to be with Adam because man is not meant to be alone And that's not just a marital relationship issue. It is a relationship of human connecting to human in real and tactile ways. Seeing someone in person so that you have a real sense of them is phenomenally different from seeing them online. And I'm telling you guys, in all sincerity, it has done me a world of good to force myself to hang out with people every week. And there are times I feel guilty and selfish that I'm not spending time with my family, but my family, they got other things to do and we spend time together too. I'm just telling you, you got to do this. Two articles over the weekend in the Washington Post all making this point. We began to stop hanging out with each other when cell phones became ubiquitous. Smartphones in particular became ubiquitous. We can get all the information and all of our contacts online. We can text each other. Texting someone is not a substitute for being in the same place with that person, having a drink or a meal and enjoying their company. And if you don't do it, you are long-term, every study now shows, going to have increasing mental health problems. Get yourself to church, synagogue, temple, somewhere. Get yourself around your friends. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your health overall. The data bears it out. And we are seeing a rapid rise in mental health problems because people aren't doing it. You wanna solve the problems of this country? Actually go hang out with friends. It's a very small thing. But here's the thing, final point here. In science fiction, people worry about time machines. What if I go back in time and I do one small thing that screws up the whole future? What if I I, I don't flush a toilet, I I, I trip over a bucket of paint, I do something, small innocuous act. But that small innocuous act in in the past redefines the entirety of the future, for better or for worse. What about the small act you are not doing today that will shape your future tomorrow or the future of those around you? And I would submit one of those very small acts you could be doing today that redefines, reshapes for the better the entire future. It's calling up a buddy and saying, let's go have a beer. Let's go play a round of golf. Let's sit on the front porch and visit. Let's catch up. Let's go to dinner. The data shows that'll go a profound distance if you make it a regular habit into the future of solving mental health problems you won't have to deal with in the future because you're doing that, that you would be dealing with if you remained isolated. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep ever, which is why you should be sleeping under and Branch sheets. They're made of the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. And I got to tell you, I was on my front porch the other night. I'm just going to go off the script they gave me and tell you. I convinced a friend of mine through this ad, you're hearing right now, to buy them. And he said he and his wife got them, and she couldn't believe he paid for Bowling Branch sheets. They're not that expensive. He took advantage of the deal. But she's like, oh, sheets like this, they must be super expensive. They're not. And then she was like, really? That was after the first wash. Now they've had them for two years, and he says they are the softest sheets ever. Every wash, they get softer and softer. I'm telling you, he's a believer, and now his wife's like, can't we buy Bowling Branch for every bed in the house? And he's like, we can, and they're going to. Because they're the best sheets. So here now with Christmas, it's time to take advantage of this incredible deal. 25% off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's BolandBranch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th, like my friend who's a preacher. Yes, they get softer every wash. They're the best sheets you will own. BowlinBranch.com. Promo code ERIC. Offer ends December 4th. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this program. buddy of mine, who I was supposed to go fly fishing with two weeks ago and couldn't, I really, y'all, I've got to like, I, I here I am talking big and bad about you, you got to get together with, with people. I got a buddy of mine I need to go fly fishing with, or I just need to get in the water. I need one of you who lives in North Georgia on a on a on a rapid flowing like trout stream to just let me come stand in the water and and cast a rod. Been missing my fly fishing. It's been a while. Um, but buddy of mine texting me, who I skipped out on fly fishing with, says he's got people coming over for whiskey and cigars tomorrow night. It's I'm telling you, it's a good thing to do. You don't even have to talk. Please don't talk politics. Just just share life with each other. Uh, Sharing life is very meaningful, particularly people are going through stuff. And, and, you know, there is some level of mentor-mentee relationship there, particularly when you have uh, older people who are doing this with younger people of the same sex who have gone through the same sorts of difficulties in life, health, marriage, raising kids, and the like. Um, that level of relationship really does matter over time. So I I could keep talking about this This as a subject I'm passionate about, but there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, I do want to tell you as a programming note, for those of you on email, I have gotten multiple requests because I made my cinnamon rolls and I put it on Instagram and I was shocked by the number of people who don't have the recipe. So I will be sending out this week, my cinnamon roll recipe, and you're going to want to get it. It's not it's takes some time, but if I can do it, you can do it. I figured out how to do it. it's not hard. One day I'm gonna have to figure out how to do some sort of like live cooking demonstration. Um. so what you um, what you need to do is text recipe singular, not plural, the word recipe to 33777 It's completely free you do not have to if you pay so there's like a $30 option and that just helps me buy all the stuff to do the recipes and stuff to to develop for the email list but you don't have to you can get the recipes for free Um, I'm very happy for you not paying and getting these recipes because I, it's one of the things I do on on so my front porch nights is when I invite people over to the front porch. These are the recipes I'm making. They're all easy recipes to make. They're all good, highly enjoyable. I'm gonna have to do the the cinnamon rolls at some point. Uh, but last night I did the fried knackish meat pies. I made the dough with lard. It was really really good. My goodness. Think empanada, except from Louisiana. It's an old school tradition. All right, when we come back, we do have more to talk about, including what's happening in China and what Tony Fauci said. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington, we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. I want to play you this audio. I realize it is from Tony Fauci,
0: who is leaving, thank goodness. But listen to this. Their approach has been very, very severe and rather draconian in the kinds of shutdowns without a seeming purpose. I mean, if you're having a situation, if you could recall, you know, almost three years ago when we were having our hospitals overrun, you remember the situation in New York City. You had to do something immediately to shut down that flow so remember we were talking about flattening the curve and the social distancing and restrictions and shutdown which was never really complete is done for a temporary period of time for the purpose of regrouping getting more personal protective equipment getting people vaccinated it seems that in china it was just a very very strict extraordinary lockdown where you lock people in the house Mm -hmm. but without any seemingly end game to it if the end game was to let's get everybody vaccinated including and particularly the vulnerable then you could see how a temporary lockdown like that Mm -hmm. but they went into a prolonged lockdown without any seeming purpose or end game to it which is really doesn't make public health sense there's a lot i could say
1: about Tony Fauci. It is notable over the weekend, he seemed to suggest for the first time he would keep an open mind about the lab origination thesis of COVID, something that I think is a fact. uh, The fact that it's taken him this long to even suggest he'd keep an open a mind about it when it's largely well-reported and documented at this point that this case is kind of a damning indictment on him But the fact that Tony Fauci is openly now criticizing China's lockdown policies is striking to me. And it is a pretty big story overall. I think what's happening in China, if you're not aware of it, when COVID begins to outbreak in a city in China, they shut the whole place down. Everything gets shut down in China uh, when COVID outbreak happens. And Cities get shut down, factories, the workers get locked inside to produce your Apple devices, and protests have now broken out. Protests had started in China, and some people grew to despair so much they were throwing themselves off balconies, killing themselves in protest. And the Chinese government has worked overtime to cover this up. In fact, the Chinese, let me just read you some of this. I referenced it earlier. As protests against the strict COVID zero policy in China intensify, the Chinese government is censoring the World Cup broadcast to avoid showing any fans not wearing a mask. FIFA controls the broadcast of games, and every nation around the globe receives the same in-game feed. China, however, has found a way to censor the feed its people are receiving. Bill Bertles of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation exposed China central television, CCTV, of censoring the broadcast in the Asian country. A side-by-side comparison shows the normal broadcast showing unmasked fans celebrating a goal, while the Chinese broadcast keeps the camera on coaches and the players themselves. Bertels noted the CCTV feed is on a 32-second delay, which gives the broadcast ample time to censor what it pleases. Mark Dreyer, a sports insider in China, pointed out the censored version of the broadcast as well. Many people have been forced to stay inside their homes for over three months, Protests around China have grown after 10 people were killed last week in a fire while inside a building under lockdown. The building of people was reportedly classified as low risk for the virus. Some regions around China continue to be in lockdown while with residents being forced to take COVID tests every day. Xi Jinping, China's president, continues to enforce incredibly strict protocols. This is from Outkick. Uh, Mark Harris at Outkick wrote this. That you've got now someone like Fauci and you've got now the president of Germany and others voicing concern about the Chinese policy. I don't know that a tide is turning, but it is very clear now that Xi Jinping has uh, extended his reign in China longer than even Mao's. He's been given the opportunity to serve as long as he wants, it seems. The tide is turning against him and his policies. They are disruptive to business, they are disruptive to lives, and Chinese people are protesting. And not only are they protesting, they're finding ways now around the censors. You as an American citizen listening to this probably cannot appreciate the level of censorship in China. Like, for example, if you try, if you're in China and you try to look up the Tiananmen protests, it doesn't really exist. It's hard to find online. And in China, a lot of conversations are digital. There's a Chinese app called Weibo. We we don't really have anything like it. In China, this app called Weibo, it is essential to the lives of people in China. You you get your tickets for public transportation on it. You pay for things with it. Uh, if you try to carry cash in China, it's almost impossible to do because people don't take it. Or restaurants and, and shops, they don't take it. They expect you to pay with this digital app called Weibo. It is, it's kind of... It's something foreigners have a hard time understanding until they go to China and see it in action. It it is the the town central. It is like a combination of, of all of your social media apps from Facebook to Nextdoor to Apple Pay to Twitter. It's all there. And China relentlessly censors keywords. So people can't complain about the lockdowns. So what they're doing now is they're using sarcasm to their advantage. And so, people, protesters are now saying, "We want to be locked down." To mean that they don't want to be locked down. We want another COVID test. They're chanting, as opposed to they're opposed to it. And sure, she, um, sure she, the president of China, Xi, pronounced Xi, um, they're saying things like that to get around the censors. They're making it hard for the censors to be able to shut them down with their use of sarcasm. And they haven't brought down the social networks yet, but interestingly enough, companies like Apple have had to participate whether they want to or not uh, in what they've done. So Apple is affected by its... um, Apple is affected by the lockdowns of its factories. And in Apple, they have been working to shut down key access to devices in China and access to different software in China, at the demands of the Chinese sensors. Apple has essentially been used as a pawn of China because it has no choice. It's so dependent on Chinese factories. And Apple's not alone. They're Nike, of course. Disney, they depend on access to China. They depend on access to the Chinese markets. And increasingly these American companies are going to have to decide whether or not they're with free people or whether they're with totalitarians. You're not going to be able to thread the needle. And Apple is moving a lot of its factories to Taiwan, which isn't smart given uh, coming Chinese invasion. And they're moving their stuff to India and to Brazil. They've got to divest themselves from China if they can. And I don't know that they really can. I don't know that they're fully up to snuff in in, in their abilities to do this. We'll see. We'll see if they can. We'll see if they're capable. What I do think, though, is that eh, this is an area of leadership for the president of the United States and the American government to be able to take a strong stand against what China is doing, to stand up for freedom-loving people, including those in China, whether the message penetrates or not. China seems to be on the verge of some level of societal destabilization that it hasn't seen in some time. There are those in Washington, the experts who never get anything wrong, just ask them, who say if we push China into further chaos that we will provoke a terrible reaction and that we don't want it. It is true that President Xi of China tries to harness nationalist resentment to further his cause. So for example, there are a group of people in China, mostly young men, very angry single young men and military leaders there who think that China should have invaded Taiwan years ago. And Xi has directed their anger in various directions to avoid having to confront the reality of a nationalist sentiment that wants to invade Taiwan. And he may be pushed over the edge to where he has to invade Taiwan to scratch the itch of these people. I don't think it would go well if he did. And it is a danger. But at this point, it just seems to me that we should be um, standing with the people of China who are protesting. There's a, another story here in the Washington Post that has hit the wires. Twitter grapples with Chinese spam obscuring news of protests. Twitter's radically reduced anti-propaganda team grappled on Sunday with a flood of nuisance content in China that researchers said was aimed at reducing the flow of news about widespread protests. Numerous Chinese-language accounts, some dormant for months or years, came to life early Sunday and started spamming the service with links to escort services and other adult offerings alongside city names. The result, for hours, anyone searching for posts from those cities and using the Chinese names for the locations would see pages and pages of useless tweets instead of information about the daring protests as they escalated to including calls for Communist Party leaders to resign. It's not the first time suspected government-connected accounts have used the technique, but in the past, it was used to discredit a single account or a small group by naming them in the escort ads. This is a known problem, said a former employee who spoke on a condition of anonymity to avoid retribution. Of course, the media has found a way to blame Twitter for this. Of course, the Chinese are trying to find a way to exploit it. But the fact that the Chinese government is having to go through these problems, the fact that the Chinese government is having to shut this information down, the fact that the Chinese government is trying to, to overwhelm social media engines with disinformation and other garbage to avoid people finding about the protests is in and of itself a statement the Chinese government is kind of worried. It is very rare to see this level of emboldened protest in the streets of China. And yet here we are, with it happening in real time, and the American government and business leaders in this country could take small, quiet stands to side with the protesters. Unfortunately, I don't think this government has a strong sense of how to deal with China. And I don't think American corporations have any interest in risking the anger of the Chinese autocracy. They claim freedom and they want to lecture you and me about values, particularly woke values but they profit so much off of the Chinese government, they're unwilling to stand up to the Chinese government. They're not the brave people they claim to be. They're cowards. They're moral cowards. The real freedom fighters, the real brave people, are the Iranian soccer team members speaking in solidarity with the protesters at home and the Chinese protesters in the streets of an authoritarian regime that could shut them up and make them disappear. Americans' virtue signal, well, the virtuous actually take to the streets of China and Iran right now. A great conservative group that teaches you how to be a smart voice for conservatism and to protest and to stand up for free markets and free people is Americans for Prosperity. I'm excited to be on their uh, advisory board as they move forward and foster stronger ties to the grassroots around this country. They really do support free markets and free people. And the thing that I like about them is they haven't wavered in that. Over the years, some conservative groups have grown a little wobbly. AFP is not. And one of the things they do that I think helps them and helps you is instead of being a think tank in Washington that passes uh, unread white papers around to each other, they're more of a do tank. They go into states and help conservatives become better conservatives, help activists become better activists. You can join them by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. You can go be a part of AFP. They have local chapters around the country. They teach you how to be a better activist, how to do door-knocking campaigns, how to help people run for office, how to show up at local school boards to make your case for conservative policy, how to go to your state legislature, make a case there. They have all the information you need to defend your positions from free markets to free people and better schools and school choice. I don't I, I can't express to you how highly I think of them. I'm so delighted to partner with them. I'm so glad they're an advertiser now. I want you to be a part of them. Around the country, they have chapters. If they don't have one in your area, you might be able to start one. You go to AmericansforProsperity.org slash Eric today. AmericansforProsperity.org slash E R-I-C-K. Find your local chapter. Find out how to be involved. Engage with them. Be a better, smarter, conservative activist on the ground in your state, advancing free markets and free people. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. Well, it's too late for you to call in, so you'll just have to come back tomorrow and do that. Uh, The Biden administration is scrambling to track $20 billion in Ukrainian aid because House Republicans are warning of audits. This is from Fox News. Likely future House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said his party will not be giving Ukraine a blank check to fend off Russia's invasion. A potential audit would determine how much, if any, of the U.S. aid ended up in the wrong hands. The Biden administration's previous tracking efforts have inspected only a fraction of the aid provided to the country. The Republican push to ramp up oversight enjoys bipartisan support in Congress. Some staunch Ukrainian allies fear the party is going to cut off aid entirely. Marjorie Taylor Green has suggested that. Um, but most Republicans and Democrats support funding Ukraine. The Republicans just want some accountability, and I don't know who can blame them for wanting that accountability. Look, I support the Ukrainians over the Russians. I think it makes sense to do that. Uh, I think it makes sense to stand strong against someone like Vladimir Putin. But concurrent to all of that, I also don't think we need to be sending a country with a mass history of corruption, blank checks without overseeing that that actual money is being spent on the actual war to fight the actual Russians. Concurrent to all of this, the European Union accuses the United States of profiteering. This is one of the the funny things that's happening what's we're sending follow, follow along with me here. We're sending money to Ukraine. Ukraine is then taking that money and buying weapons from American companies, moving the money back. Now, not all of it goes to that. Some goes to food. Some goes to, to other administrative areas. But a lot of it goes to buying um, American weapon systems. So it's a great redirect um it, it, of, of money back into the united states through the ukrainians uh it's just it's it's fascinating and um i don't think we need a we don't need blank uh checks to the ukrainians as much as i support them the biden administration though they should be doing a better a better uh system of checks and balances with the auditing and the like uh genuinely genuinely truly they can't just be sending money throwing money at them without them actually using the money to do what needed to be done. And if people are worried about Republicans engaging in some level of oversight, well, let them worry, but do the oversight. I support the oversight. I just think, though, that there are people on the right these days who are so fueled by being opposed to whatever uh, the now thing is to being opposed to whatever the Biden administration wants that they haven't thought clearly about Ukraine. I understand people who say we can't, we got so many problems at home, why are we doing things in Ukraine? The problem in my mind is that we have to multitask. We can't see the world stage because if we see the world stage, There are aggressive powers like China, Iran, Russia that will fill the void. We've got to be able to stay on the world stage and also take care of people at home. We should be able to multitask and do these things. We should be able to help the Ukrainians fend off the Russians. We should be able to – frankly, we're testing our weapons systems against what's supposed to be a fairly comparable army, and it's showing that we have outmaneuvered the Russians. I'm interested to see how our weapons systems work against the Chinese, which we may one day find out but we should be on the side of free markets and free people everywhere.